our love for you, see that you also excel in this act of grace also. So I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty might become rich. You guys go ahead and have a seat. Eric, come on up. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for Eric. Thank you for the word uh, he's going to preach to us this morning. Uh, I pray that we would see uh, the generosity of Jesus uh, for the whole world and for his people. And may that overflow in our hearts as well. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Sea Light Church. How are you guys doing? Whether you guys are joining us online or here live, thank you guys for being a part of our Sunday morning gathering. Uh, today we're going to wrap up our Rule of Life series, and uh, as Jason said earlier, next week we get to start a whole new series. It's our core value series, and uh, we're, we're also doing Invite Your One. This is something that Jason and I have been literally praying for the past six months uh, for next week. Uh, and so we're really excited just to see how God's going to show up. And so if you've got friends, family, coworkers, people in your community that do not go to a church, uh, this would be a great church. This would be a great time for you guys to invite them uh, to see what God is doing here. Now, i got to be honest. For the past two weeks, I've really been wrestling with the text that Jason just read in 2 Corinthians. And one of the things I've been wrestling with is how do I know that my life is lining up with God's will? How do I know that my life is lining up with God's kingdom? How do I know that my life is really lining up with the purpose? That's the tension that I felt the past two weeks. And um, I begin to think about um, when did I really struggle with this before? And I remember being 16 years old and uh, just telling one of my mentors, I said, hey, here are the things I'm struggling with. I'm struggling with like just knowing what does God have for me? Uh, how does he want to use me? How do I know that I'm going to be used for his kingdom? And uh, the question that my uh, mentor asked was this. He said, hey, look at your budget. Look to see how are you spending your time, your talent. And when you answer those questions, that's going to that's gonna show you if it's kingdom stuff or if it's just your own things. And so as a 16-year-old kid, I remember thinking to myself, here's what I love. I love my car. Okay, I've got an 87 Reliant K car. And uh, I didn't get a lot of dates because of it. Uh, but uh, it got me from point A to point B. All right, so I paid money for my car. It was my very first car. I enjoyed it. Uh, second thing is I like candy. All right, if you look at my budget, I bought a lot of candy, all right. I don't think Swedish fish were around, so that's a good thing because I would have smashed some Swedish fish when I was uh, 16 years old, but it wasn't around. Uh, the other thing, I love the Royals. So I looked at my, at my bank account and said, man, I'm spending a lot of money on Royals tickets. I love Royals tickets or Royals games. And um, then the last two things, uh, one of the things that I was really kind of uh, pushed to do and encouraged to do, uh, I also enjoyed giving to my local church. And I enjoyed short-term mission trips. And so those are the five things as I look back um, I paid for. I, I, I spent money uh, going overseas. I spent money uh, going locally. I spent money um, doing just kind of the things I felt like God was in it. And, and, and I, I felt um, really encouraged. I felt joy. I, I really uh, was excited about uh, those things. And so as I thought about my time, my talent, my treasure, um, I think as a 16-year-old, as a 30-year-old, as a 50-year-old, this message applies to uh, people of any age, all right? And so if you want to know how does my life line up with God's kingdom, if there's tension that you're feeling in that, um, today's message, uh, and, and, and Paul really answers that question. 
Uh, and this, this, this question that he answers uh, is really understanding where our hearts are at. All right, Paul is not writing this letter to tell people you need to do A, Y, and Z. He's telling the people, he's showing them what the church is doing, how their, how their generosity is really shaping their kingdom and God's kingdom. And so let me preface this again. Paul, again, is not trying to tell people uh, to give their money to the church. He's not saying that at all. Our church is not saying that today. This text is really saying this is what God is after. He's after our hearts. And if we really want to know if our hearts are lined up with God, these are some indicators to really show. And this is actually an example of a church that, that gave really well, that was very generous. And so money and how we spend it is a really big indicator uh, on where our hearts are at. Um, and again, money is not the main message of, it's not the main point of this message. But what God is doing is using money and possessions, possessions to show us what we love. All right, God is showing us what we love when we look at our budgets, when we look at our bank accounts, when we look at our time and how we are spending our talents. And so Jesus also goes straight to the heart. In Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says this. He says, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And there's, a, there's an author that I've uh, kind of connected with. His name is J James K.A. Smith. Uh, he's a professor of philosophy at Calvin University. All right, he's written a couple books. One of the books he's, that, he's tied, that he's written is titled, You Are What You Love. That's a great title of a book, You Are What You Love. And one of the quotes that caught my attention, he said this. He said, Jesus' command to follow him is a command to align our loves and longings with his. To want what God wants, to desire what God desires, to hunger and thirst after God and crave a world where he is all in all. A vision encapsulated by the shorthand, the kingdom of God. That's a great quote. So here's our tension. Again, the tension is, do our wills, do our lives line up with God's kingdom? As a 16-year-old, as a 30-year-old, as a 50-year-old, do our loves line up with God's kingdom? How do I know that Jesus is first in my life? How do I know that God's priorities are first in my life? I know you guys have probably heard this before, but again, if you look at your bank statement, if you look at your checking account, if you guys have checkbooks, um, those are really key indicators. In our, in, in our budget, full disclosure, you will see that, in probably Jason's budget as well, you'll see that we've got four kids. You can tell we have four kids because of how much food we spend. All right, all the, all the hospital bills that we have, all the accidents that we have, you can tell that we have four kids. All right, uh, dentists are not cheap. Yearly checkups are not cheap. Uh, and so, and even when our kids get sick, it gets expensive. But you also see that Terry and I, we like to go on dates, or at least once a month, we want to go on a date, all right? Um, we, meaning me, likes to go to Chiefs games sometimes, okay? So that's, that, that's going to be on our budget. It, it shifted from the Royals, now it's, now it's Chiefs, all right? And so um, another thing that we have is just uh, we don't want to live with our kids uh, when we're 80 years old, all right? So the other thing you're going to see is that we invest, we have savings, we have retirement, okay? And all those things, I would say, are good things. Um, and then we also want to be generous with, with, with what God's given to us. Uh, and so as we look to see um, just where our hearts are at, you're also going to see that we love the Dave Ramsey plan, okay? And uh, one of the things that we've done is we've skipped um, step five. We've got four kids. They, they're going to have to get scholarships. That's college fund, okay? They're going to have to get scholarships. They're going to have to get grants. They're going to have to work hard. They're going to have to work a jobby job in order to go to college, okay? We, we've just go ahead, we're skipping step five, and we're on, uh, we are on, on uh, step six. But again, 
This, this part isn't to make us feel uncomfortable. It's just, it's just, or guilty. It's really just to allow us to examine where are we in, in the list of those things that I just mentioned. And, and the church should view money different than the world views money. All right? We were, a lot of times people will view money as a, as a, as a show of status, uh, of power. Uh, money brings comfort and control. That's true. Uh, sometimes people think money is going to bring them happiness. But as a church, as we view money, here's a few ways that we should view money. Using it to expand the kingdom of God. Understanding that uh, there is a different world, there, there is a different realm that we get to give to and we can do it joyfully. We can use this for money, we can use money uh, as far as for suffering and for supporting those that are in need. Uh, another op- opportunity is to empower the local church and the com- Christian communities in order to see God's kingdom come on this earth. And so our hope and our prayer this morning is that this text finds us encouraged, that this text finds us uh, helpful, and that we can be faithful in giving the hope that we've been given through Jesus Christ. Amen? That is, that is the big, that's our big ask today. And so 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 2, I want to repeat that. It says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in severe tests of affliction... Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. And so what this is saying is the Corinthian church is giving in spite of their circumstances. Okay, this is a church that doesn't have very much money. These people don't have very much money. And Paul was writing as a second letter to encourage the Corinthian church to help address key issues to help them mature in their faith. And we're going to see later in this passage that they're growing in their faith. They're growing in their speech. They're growing in their knowledge. Now, some other background here. Um, this church, this Corinthian church is, is far from perfect, all right? This, uh, to quote Sarah, this, is, this church is a hot mess, okay? There's a lot of things. If you want to see some messed up things happen, go ahead and read 2 Corinthians. I'm not going to repeat what's, what's happening in, in the Corinthian church. But there's a lot of growing that needs to do. There's a lot of um, just, just um, spiritually immature Christians in this church. And uh, Paul's going to call it a lot of stuff, all right? But in this text... Paul wants to celebrate the church. He doesn't want to just go straight for the jugular. He wants to encourage them. And so if you look at our church, I want us to think, what are some things that Paul would celebrate at our church? All right, I know we got great donuts. All right, we've got, uh, we've got a, a good worship team. We love to celebrate what Jesus is doing. We, we, we're able to just to celebrate who God is. Um, I know that there's a lot of good things. Our city groups feel like a family. Uh, and so there's some things that uh, Paul would celebrate, but there's also some things as a good pastor he's going uh, to, to talk through, uh, just to see that they mature and to see that they can grow in their faith. And so as Paul starts out, he says, I want you to know about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. So he doesn't say anything particularly bad right here. Uh, and he's talking about God's grace, which most likely makes us think that things are going really well. Uh, but then all of a sudden he goes, he shifts into the affliction. He's looking at verse 2 and he's saying, for in severe tests of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. That's awesome. So this is crazy. So they're giving, even though they're broke, even though they're poor, they are giving um, in their affliction, in their extreme poverty. Now the word describes rock bottom. So let me talk about this word uh, poverty. This is extreme poverty. This is basically destitution. They've hit rock bottom. There's nowhere that they can go but up. They're, they're so far down. And so one of the reasons why this has happened to them is they've, even been, they've, they, they've either been persecuted by the Roman government. 
They've lost their job because of their faith. These are people uh, that are living in object poverty uh, because, because uh, of some of the choices they've made to become believers. Some of these are, are they're excluded from the trade because they are, um, they are sacrificing uh, to idols, and they're saying, I don't want to be a part of that. And so there, there are some reasons why they are hitting rock bottom. There's reasons why they've lost their jobs. But whatever the case is, these Macedonians, they were still worshiping King Jesus. And they have paid the price for that. And their circumstances do not hinder them from giving. In fact, they give, it says they give joyfully and liberally. They give more. So one of, one of the first ministries I worked for, I remember uh, I, was a, I was really afraid of this word fundraising. They actually call it, they didn't call it fundraising, they call it fundraising because they wanted to put a, like a positive spin on it. But I didn't like the, I didn't like the idea of fundraising, all right? And so as they were teaching us um, in, the, in this class, they were, they were just giving us some ideas on, um, on ways to do it, uh, to be able to cast vision, share what you're doing, uh, share why you're doing it, and also come up with a list of people that you'd be asking. So naturally, in my mind, the people you, you would ask are, you know, the people that have like the yachts in their front yard, uh, the big caravans, the big house, the big uh, vehicles, the brand new vehicles. Those are the people that in my mind that you would ask. But as I began to, to get to know my director, he'd been on fundraising for 25 years. I began to ask him, like, who do you ask? Because this is who I think you should ask. He says, well, Eric, let me tell you, the 25 years I've been doing this, let me tell you the people that have actually been generous. Let me tell you the people that I've, uh, that I've actually given. He said 90% of the people that supported them were teachers, pastors, blue-collar workers, white-collar workers, accountants, single parents. Some were wealthy business owners, but that was very small in between. And they gave $50, $100, $200 a month, and they did it faithfully. They did it on time. And they, cons- they, they consistently stayed in, uh, in, in touch with these people. And so the people that you would think maybe uh, would give to you, um, he would say, you know what, God's kingdom looks a lot different than that. And so you've got to think through and pray through who is it that God uh, wants you uh, to invite into the ministry that you're doing. And so another thing I want us to listen to is that it's really not about having an equal giving, but it's about an equal sacrifice. Okay, let me say that again. It's when we give, it's not about us giving equal amounts, but it's about the sacrifice. It's about the sacrifice that we give. And so in God's kingdom, you guys remember the poor widow's mite. She gives a penny in the giving box while other people put in a thousand dollars. Well, God sees he sees not the amount, but he sees the sacrifice. And I think that for me, I kind of struggle with that. I, I struggle with knowing how much is fair to give. Um, because I feel like I live in, a, I feel like I live in access. So if I give, my kids are still going to have a house to, to, to sleep under. They're still going to have food to eat. They're still going to have diapers. Uh, but when I think about, hey, there's an actual sacrifice there. What's the actual sacrifice? Because I think as I as I as I look back, it was easier for me to give. I feel like whenever I was in my 20s, because I was broke. I was I was apartment poor. I was broke. I was popo. Or I didn't have any money. All right, and so it's, it's much easier for us to give when we have $40. It's easy to give $4 than if we're making $40,000. It's a little bit more of a sacrifice there if you look at it. Um, and so, again, even teaching my little kids uh, with little Avery, if she has a dollar and you're like, hey, give 10 cents, she says that's pretty easy to do. And so when we start young, when we start with that little amount, it's that sacrifice uh, that really counts. It's not the amount that counts. And it's also the power of God's grace that really leads us to give. So when we give, we are not giving just to the person or to the church. We are giving to God's kingdom. 
And that's the good news. And 2 Corinthians 8, 3 through 4 also says this. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. So these guys were begging them to be able to give to the church. They were begging them to be able to give to individuals. They were saying, we want more. We want to give more. And so that's our second point. We see that this church is giving enthusiastically. And so Paul says that the Macedonian church gave well beyond their means. And I would assume that it was 10%. They were giving uh, a standard 10% of their income. They gave like the poor widow. They gave their mites. They gave out of their sacrifice. They gave um, out, of the, out, of, out of the enthusiasm of their own hearts. Now, raise your hand if you guys have ever begged to give someone money. To be, like begged to be able to, to bless someone. Begged to be able to give more. This is what the church was doing. They were begging to be able to give more. And I know for me, whenever I see, my wife used to work at, as a youth pastor, and um, we used to see like hundreds of support letters. And I can't say that I was always excited about those support letters. They needed $25, $50, $100. So basically I was like, hey, do I either go on a date or do I give uh, to Mike's initiative? Do I uh, give to the orphanage in Haiti or uh, do I go to this event? Uh, those, are, those are the ways that I kind of looked at it. Um, and so... With this church, though, they are so excited about the ministry that they get to be a part of. And their money could be used to provide relief. Their money was used to bless people. It was, it was to be able to be used as a shelter. Now, um, another, another example of this is I, I remember getting ready to, uh, to go overseas for one of the first times for a long-term uh, mission trip. And uh, we had to raise $4,000, and I was about $1,000 short. And I was really nervous because I didn't know if they were going to let me go. So I'm in the airport, they got my ticket, and I'm still kind of nervous. I'm like, am I going to be able to go on this mission trip? Well, as we're boarding the flight, before we're getting ready to board the flight, we're just in the tarmac. Uh, one of my friends is on the phone with his brother. And uh, his brother is talking to him. He's like, hey, uh, you know, I want to pray for you. I want to, um, hope, you know, wish you the best. Pray for, uh, and so he prayed for him, wishes him the best. And he says, hey, are there any needs? Just at the last minute, he says, is there anyone that is in need? And uh, my friend looked at me and he said, hey, um, did you raise all your money? I said, actually, I, I need $1,000. And without his brother knowing who I was, meeting with me, talking to me, I said, I need $1,000. He's like, his brother said, where do I write the check to? Uh, and, uh, and he provided a way for me to be able to pay in full my mission trip. This is a guy that didn't know me from Adam, okay? He didn't know me from anything. And he, and he, and he blessed me. And uh, this same guy... Uh, that I'm talking about, his brother, which is my good friend, he just called me a month ago and said, hey, we're going to this new church, and um, I know you guys are church planting, and um, this church is doing pretty well, they're pretty affluent, but we'd like to be able to, to, to bless you guys. We want to give our tithe to your church for a season. And I said, praise God, here's the address. You can go ahead and give it away. And so this is the kind of joy that we're talking about. There was enthusiasm there, okay? People that are strangers that know nothing about you are enthusiastic. They want to give to you. Or, or people that are seeing the struggle as far as just doing something new. They want to be able to bless you, to, to be able to help. And that there's so many other uh, situations or, or examples of this uh, that we can be a part of. And so when we seek God's kingdom first, he's going to answer those prayers. When we seek God's kingdom first, he's going to open up doors and say, hey, here's where I want you to go. Here's what I want you to do. 
And it's more than just, if, if, if you're a business owner, if you're just sitting in a cubicle all day, just realize that it's not about, uh, you can be joyful in being able to give. You can be joyful uh, in being able to serve in God's kingdom. If you're, if you're teaching, if you're doing a job that you cannot stand, just know uh, that God's kingdom can be advanced through your obedience and through your generosity. So I want to look at our last point. It says this, giving like Jesus gave. All right, this is, this is the best part of the message here. All right, giving like Jesus gave. 2 Corinthians 8, 5 through 6 says this. Saints in this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. So Jesus here is the ultimate example of generosity. Jesus gives himself for the broken, the hearted, the brokenhearted, the hurting. He gives, himself us, uh, he gives himself to us fully. And we see the Macedonian church give themselves to God first. So this is so important that we get this. Because if you don't want to give to your neighbor, to your church, um, then if, if you don't give to your church, if you don't give to your neighbors, if you don't love them, uh, then, then you really have, probably have a problem with God. All right? God is calling us to know how uh, to love him and to know how uh, to love the things uh, that he's about. And so if we give ourselves to God, we are not going to have a problem giving to the things that God loves. We're not going to have a problem giving obediently. And so there's no way that you can say that you love God but hate people. Um, if, we, if we love God, then we're going to love his people and we're going to love his church. Amen? 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says, As you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So what is this act of grace that he's talking about? What is this act of grace that he is talking about? Given generously, he says, I don't want you just to grow and mature in certain areas. I want you to excel in the act of grace, which is the opportunity to give like Jesus has given to us. Jesus has given us an opportunity to give like he has given. And we must, we must embrace all the riches that he has given to us. As we, as we receive we understand that he became poor for us to become rich. That's the good news of the gospel, is that in, in our sin, we have become sinless. In our sin, we have become, we are able, we are able to be accepted by God. And 2 Corinthians 8, 8 says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that, you love also, that your love also is genuine. So the love that we have, the grace that we have, comes from Jesus Christ. The grace that we have comes from the good news of what Jesus has done. Jesus' radical act of giving himself for broken sinners is the only thing that consistently moves us to give beyond the minimum. Jesus' grace really pushes us to give beyond the minimum. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. I think what Paul also is saying is giving isn't a money problem. I think Paul is saying that it's a gospel problem. If we, don't re- if we don't desire to respond to God's grace with sacrificial giving, then we have not yet fully understood the nature of the gospel. That's his main point. The nature of the gospel is to give all freely and generously. The answer to our motivation problem of not wanting to give generously is not adherence to a new command, but actually experiencing the radical gener- generosity of Jesus Christ. So as we experience God's grace, as we experience his love, we want to give that to other people. We want to show other people exactly what God has done for us, and we do that freely. 
So how was Jesus poor? How was, how was Jesus poor? He traded perfect heaven for a broken earth. He traded a crown of glory for a crown of thorns. He traded praise on the angel's lips to mocking, to being mocked and spit at. He came to die. He gave up his perfect, unbroken, eternal relationship with God so that we can have a perfect relationship with God. He traded his righteousness on the cross and he took on our sins. He traded away heaven for hell. He traded praise for persecution. He united himself to mankind and took on himself a human body. He left the throne to become a servant. He laid aside all his possessions so that he didn't have a place to lay his head. And his ultimate experience, again, gives us life. What Jesus did for us, he's given us eternal life. He allows us to, to push out of poverty. We no longer have to be spiritually poor, but we can be spiritually rich. He died so that we can have everything. He gave us everything. And this is the good news of the gospel. And in our sins, we are broken without a glimpse of hope. And in our darkness, we run away from him. But Jesus took on the utter, utter, the utter darkness and brings us back. He brings us back into the right fold. This is the good news of the gospel. The full weight of our sin is so, is so heavy, uh, but in Jesus, he allows, that, he allows us to be free in that. This doesn't mean that Jesus died so that you can live comfortably. That's opposite of the gospel. He died. He died so that we can have everything. He died so that we can understand where our rightful place is, not in this world, but in God's kingdom, in God's view. And so as we place our eyes and our hearts on eternal riches of knowing who Christ is, we also uh, need to begin uh, just to trust that in our generosity, we know that it's going somewhere. It's not just going to a hole. It's not just getting burned up. But we know that it's going, uh, it's, it's going to be going uh, to a kingdom that's growing, that we can't, we can't necessarily see with our eyes, but we know it's growing. And so our next steps is that we begin just to be people that love God and that we all love people. And we ask God, how do you want us to be generous with our talent, with our time, with our treasures? God, how do you want us to live for you? How do you want us to line our wills with your kingdom? That's how we're going to close up. That's our final application. And we begin to show people, hey, here's who, here's who I am in Christ. Here's, who, here's what I'm giving to. Here's what I'm giving my life to. This is why I'm giving my life to this, because God gave me his life. He's given me He's given me a true life. He's given me his identity. He's given me his riches. He's given me everything. And so one of the things I would ask, again, with generosity, with, with, even with our, te- with, with our treasures, uh, you know, I, I really believe that giving is a spiritual discipline. And so whether you start with 1%, 2%, 10%, wherever you're at, uh, truly believe that giving uh, is a heart issue. And so we would also invite you to be able to, to, to if you call Light Church your home, uh, we would invite you to be able to do that. And uh, whether it's 1%, 2%, 5%, whatever it is, know that it's not going uh, just to our church. It's going uh, to the kingdom. It's, go- it's going to expand. It's going uh, to grow his church. It's growing. It's going to grow um, just people, people's hearts, people knowing who Jesus is. And so this is a very important thing that we just understand, that we understand the concept of giving, of giving from our hearts, of giving out of our sacrifice. And so as we wrap up, as we close up, I just want us to even close our eyes now and just just think of uh, 
just think back to the past of how is it that God has got you where you're at today? How is it that you are the person you are today? What are the questions you ask just about knowing who God is, knowing, um, knowing how he loves you, knowing uh, what he's calling from you? And so we just, we just ask that uh, we, would, we would examine and we would, we would look to see where God's kingdom is happening in our lives. We would look at our bank accounts. We would look at our lives. We would look at the time that we spend. And we would ask, Lord, please show us where you want us to give. Show us where you want us to be faithful. Show us where you want us to grow in. Because you have given us everything. You have been faithful to us. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, uh, just, just, just that we're who we are in you. That we are uh, freely, freely forgiven. We thank you, God, that you continue uh, to pursue us. You continue to love us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so this morning, uh, we're going to go ahead and um, transition to communion. And communion is really a time uh, that uh, we're able to reflect on the life that God's given to us.